HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the International Culinary Center, offering courses that range from classic French techniques in culinary, pastry, and bread baking to Italian studies to management, from culinary technology to food writing, from cake making to wine tasting. For more information, visit culinarycenter.com. I'm Dave Arnold, host of Cooking Issues. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in that rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you some in the end. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. And in the studio today, I've got a great buddy of mine, Zach Delon Rubin of many. Dude, this guy is everywhere. <laughs> you you're you work at a couple of the best bars in town. You you work at Attaboy and at Dutch Kills, which are definitely two of my favorites. I, I typically see you very late yeah. night at Attaboy. Happened <laughs> <laughs> uh, a couple times. Yeah, and then you're the uh operating partner of Hundredweight, which is an amazing ice company, uh based uh also out of Long Island City where uh, Dutch Kills is, correct? And Yes sir. And uh you guys basically just you guys kinda like Really, like, pushed the the cocktail uh, just scene here, like, light years ahead of time by providing all these really, really amazing, uh, just access to amazing ice. You know, you guys are using these amazing, like, giant Kleinbell freezers, and it's not just that. You guys are, like, I've definitely, I probably owe you some money uh, from sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> some man, actually. Some time, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. It's like, uh, 20 bucks or something. Okay, cool. <laughs> you can pay me after the show. All right, cool. I'll buy you a pizza. Um, so, I mean, clearly, I mean, this was uh, built out of necessity because there was no no good ice company that was focused on cocktails, right? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I think that we really just uh, we were just uh, in the right place at the right time with the right idea to sort of make something happen that was ready to happen. You know, I, I saw the trend going in that direction, and so we just struck while the iron was. Well, cold, I well, guess. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you know, it's been uh, gosh, that was almost four years ago. It'll be four years in March. Uh, we launched out in uh, in 2011, and uh, it's been a crazy, been a crazy ride. But I think it, you know, I mean, I think we definitely changed the way that people make and drink their cocktails and their spirits. Um, 
I'm pretty proud of the work that we've done. And there's been a bunch of other ice companies like mine that have popped up in other cities uh, since then. So it's it's cool that we've sort of sparked like a more nation or even worldwide uh, movement. Yeah, there's a, a couple of guys, and I was just in D.C. this last week, and there's a couple of guys there who were essentially kind of like, they're they're like the 100 weight of, of D.C., you know? Yeah, they're, I heard that there was one going on down there. Yeah, yeah, and they, uh, I mean, I you know, it seems like it's... It was bound to happen anyway, you know. Like you guys started uh, started this awesome ice company, they were like, "Oh shit!" Well, we need that too, <laughs> you know. Like in other towns, yeah. Because I mean, like you guys, I mean, even though Philly and DC and Boston they're close, it's not like you can really deliver there, right? Uh, not the way we are. No, no, not right now. I mean, you know, we, we have dreams of world domination, but <laughs> for the time being, we we basically contain ourselves to the five boroughs although we don't get very many orders to the bronx or staten island and uh or even queens for that matter where we're based um you know we've occasionally gone out to jersey or up to westchester county if it's like a large enough order to warrant the drive um but yeah it's it's cool like i said before i think it was sort of like an organic process you know it's like that Mm -hmm. thing that they some theory in science. I don't know about these science theories <laughs> about how there's like something in the air and a bunch of people discover it all at once. And, you know, well, and my partner and friend and boss and mentor, uh, Richard Bacato is sort of one of the last in a long line of people who had been making contributions to push the ice, the, the quality of the ice that we were using in our drinks to like a higher level. Um, you know, and he came out of the whole, Milk and Honey and Little Branch family where they were really doing new things that nobody else had really thought to do yet. And when he opened Dutch Kills uh, and hired me uh, back in uh, May of 2009, he was really looking for a higher level of ice. And we started buying these ice blocks from a sculptor in the neighborhood, uh, Okamoto Studios. Mm -hmm. And cutting all the ice by hand. And then the... The, the birth of Underway really came out of uh, Weather Up in Tribeca, actually. Um, I was asked by Richie to join the team there and sort of help him as a right hand to open that bar. And it was there that he, as, as far as the record can show, that was the first bar in the world to purchase and own its own Kleinbell machine that was making these huge blocks of ice. And I was a part of setting that all up and, you know figuring out how to do the ice program inside the bar and and then hearing everybody raving about it and talking about it and, you know, bar owners and restaurant owners coming up to me and asking me, hey, where do you get this? Well, we make it here. Well, where can we get it? And that's your classic entrepreneurial light bulb moment, you know what I mean? Demand and then supply. So we did it. Cool. And it's, and it's been pretty cool, yeah. How many how many places in or around New York City do you guys supply ice to now? Well, we have about 25, um, like, weekly clients, uh, bars and restaurants that are on a regular ordering basis with us. We deliver one or, once or twice a week to them, and they integrate our product into their regular uh, offerings. Uh, in addition to that, we do a tremendous amount of event work. We do... Mm-hmm. You know, anywhere from one to five sp- special events a week, um, wow. which is great. We've been had a long working relationship with a number of different brands, and uh, 
that's where you know we really stretch our production capacity to its fullest or beyond it really you know yeah. and uh so yeah a lot of people <laughs> yeah yeah have you guys gotten into any of the sculpting stuff yourself uh like, yeah man i, I make mean, I these also you- it's like um you know they're just uh cubes two inches cube but it's it's you know it's a sculpture as far as i'm concerned it's sort of like a contemporary art thing you know like yeah just make like hundreds of them at a time you know (laughs) nice but they're cheap man it's only 50 cents (laughs) (laughs) no i don't we don't really do a lot of sculpture ourselves uh you know the the we've gotten into some more fancy stuff like like i was actually just talking to your buddy a second ago about making these 10-sided you know (laughs) ice cubes (laughs) what was it the decahedron decahedron yeah yeah. the dungeons and dragon die (laughs) but uh you know we we've done we we hand cut spheres. Uh, we've we've done diamonds for certain orders and stuff like that. But beyond that, we we're not trained to do you know the happy birthday mom sculpture <laughs> or you know the giant ice luge, yeah, like a unmentionable. You know we've had requests for that kind of stuff. Too. <laughs> I'm sure you have, man. Yeah. I we usually mean, outsource that to yeah. somebody else. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I mean, yeah. I was just thinking, you guys must have like a, a pretty. Since you got into this, you probably have like a whole network of like ice sculptors and people that you can like turn to, right? I know some weird people, man. I'll be honest. <laughs> I know a lot of weird people <laughs> that I never thought I would know. But yeah, I know a lot of ice mongers, ice sculptors, you know, dry ice purveyors, uh, you know, custom bandsaw blade guys. Like, you know, just also the, the, the people that you never think that you're going to have to have a guy for. You know, it's like, oh, but I got a guy for your for your bandsaw, you <laughs> yeah. know? It's like, so, you know, that's kind of one of the, the fun parts of, you know, the utter slavery and hell of starting your own business <laughs> is, like, discovering all these things that you need that you didn't know you need and right. then trying to find it from all the people that supply it, and it's... It's pretty. It's pretty cool. You, you get to see a lot of the city that you wouldn't ever experience otherwise. Right. Know? So, like with these Kleinbell machines, uh, these freezers, how how big of are these blocks that you can freeze? Uh, Forty gallons of water go into each reservoir, and there's two in each machine. And each machine yield so that yields a three hundred pound block. So two of them uh, per harvest is what we you know, call harvesting the machine. Um, and those measure forty inches long. By twenty inches wide, by ten inches high, at the end of the day. Yeah. So. Wow, that's yeah. a big chunk of ice, man. Yeah, man. You We're gonna need a bigger glass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to drop it on your foot, or you know, do anything like that or at all. <laughs> yeah, you really don't, or try to lift it. It's. it's yeah. It's, it's, yeah. How do you transport those? Like, it's, well, it's the full block. They don't have to go very far. Yeah. Luckily, you know, you got to use a hoist to get them out of the machine. So there's a. We use like an engine hoist, and we lift them like up. A cherry picker kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Wow, cool. Yeah, and then uh, and then basically we set them down onto a, a, a rolling prep table, and then wheel them over to the cutting area. And then you take them down to whatever size you need. Yeah, all over the place. Whatever you know. I mean, our you know our most common product is a two inch cube. Right. You know, we sell those by the bag full. You know, yeah, a lot so of bars use those around town. Yeah, they do. And then, but we give options because you know, the, the there's the two biggest challenges we've come across are a that our product is about the most highly perishable product 
mm-hmm. out there, you know, 10 minutes out of a freezer and it's done. Yeah. Uh, so that's really challenging. But, you know, the, the, the other main challenge is sort of trying to get people's head into this paradigm shift of like paying, like of factoring ice actually into their into drink the cost, cost, of your cost. You know? yeah. So we give different options because some people are, you know, some people are like, whatever, 50 cents a cube, no problem. That's not a big deal. Other people are smaller businesses, smaller bars, and it's like, wow, well, that could really hurt us. But we really need to have this. So we do sell larger, like, slabs and blocks and stuff like that mm-hmm. that people can cut up themselves. And they can also display it behind the bar and, you know, yeah. integrate it into whatever theater aspect of their of their service. Mm-hmm. Program, you know, <clears throat> so <clears throat> we sell a lot of cubes. We sell the Colin Spears and then... You know, we sell different sizes of slabs and blocks. Yeah. And then a bunch of other, like, you know, custom stuff. If somebody yeah. wants it, you know. I mean, I remember Aaron Polsky and I used uh, some really long, like, I think they were 8-inch by 8-inch, like, logs for one of our Cripple Creek shows. Oh, that was that one at uh, at uh, Webster Hall, right? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah that, that was, was cool. fun. Just, like, tearing apart and, like, yeah. tearing at these uh, giant... They were really hard to take apart, though, <laughs> if you don't have the right tools. Yeah, you know, I, I, cutting ice like anything requires the right tools and a little bit of uh, mm-hmm. training and practice, you know. It's, it's something that once you... It takes a little while to sort of under to, to to develop a relationship with the ice to the point where you can make it do what you want it to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and myself and my staff, we've gotten pretty far with that. Where we can we can take a can take a block of ice and break it down into you know not perfect two inch cubes or perfect size shapes, but pretty consistently sized shapes in a pretty rapid manner. Um, but that's something that we were doing at Dutch Kills before hundred weight even existed. Yeah. You know. You just used some hand saws, right? Yeah, a little pistol grip handsaw, and then and then a hammer and chisel to cool. sort of pop out the blocks. I think there is something like extremely theatrical about it, you know, like having a big chunk of ice behind the bar and just taking it down. You know, it really it it adds to a certain like kind of craft vibe, you know, to the bar. It's like yeah, you thought about you know the glassware you're going to order, you thought about the ingredients going in the cocktail, and it's like all right, well, we're going to make this too, you know. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, and that that theater aspect is, you know, obviously been a, a huge part of this like sort of cocktail renaissance that's putting food on all of our plates. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always been sort of my theory that you know the the like whole like speakeasy like you know faux speakeasy movement is like oh you walk down a dark alleyway and you get to the unmarked yeah. door and then you whisper the password and some guy with a handlebar mustache and a bow tie like you know you know starts cutting up a big ice cube and you know <laughs> sets it in front of you and and it, that was something that was really necessary to get people to actually drink well made drinks yeah because you know you think it's you think it's like kind of Unnecessary. Now there was it was like part of like ushering that into the the whole situation, right? Yeah, I think. I mean, without getting into too like you know critical territory here, I for my, myself personally, I think that 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 aspect of the movement um, is sort of behind us at this point. With, mm-hmm. You know that. It doesn't have the same uh, appeal that it did back in the day. Right. You know, like with Milk and Honey, Little Branch, like PDT. It's like, oh, you go to a phone booth, you know? Like, yeah. I think that, that that sort of, that aspect doesn't, it's, at this point, enough people went, went through that with us as our guests and our, yeah. and our consumers that 
now they're just acclimated to drinking good drinks and they just demand good drinks wherever in whatever environment and sometimes they don't feel like they want to go into you know yeah 1920s vibe or whatever you know so i think that what i've been seeing and i think it's sort of the natural progression of this whole thing is that you know more and more bars are starting to open up that are just kind of like regular environment bars that are serving a higher level of uh drinks dude and, that's that's where i want to hang out you know yeah me too and but i think that uh, you know we've for better or for worse we've sort of made it so that you know you have to pay attention to the ice that's it so you have to make a choice about what ice you're gonna use yeah which that's a different thing like you know four years ago five years ago you didn't have to make a choice about it because there was no choice I right. mean, you know, the choice was cold draft or, you know, some... Hoshizaki or Exactly, something. some chippy ice, you know, and that was it. And it wasn't uh, something that you had to make decisions about as a bar owner or, like, a, a you know, a, a head bartender or something like that. And now it's like, well, what's up? What, you know, what ice are you going to put in the glass? Like, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. People pay attention to it. Absolutely. Um, let's take a quick break. Yeah. And when we get back, we'll continue talking with Zach about ice and cocktails and whatever kind of crazy 24 hours he just had. <laughs> back in Jump Rope by the Gingerlies. This is Heritage Radio Network. The International Culinary Center is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network.org. The ICC, with locations in New York and California, provide cutting edge education to future chefs restaurateurs, and wine professionals. We're proud to claim Dan Barber, Bobby Flay, and David Chang among our honored alumni. This is Dorothy Can Hamilton from Chef Story. Check out our ICC website at internationalculinarycenter.com. And we're back. You're listening to The Speakeasy. And in the studio today, I've got my buddy, Zach Jelnal Rubin. Hi, everybody. And uh, we've just been talking about 100 Weight, this awesome ice company out of Queens, New York. And... Uh, about how you know, like we've definitely like shifted uh, in a very positive direction as far as like the attention to detail with every bit of what goes into the glass and around it. But right before we went on air, <laughs> and I'm very intrigued. Zach just told me, he's like, "Man, it's been a really weird 24 hours yeah, yeah, <laughs> getting yeah, here." Yeah, yeah. So what happened, man? I'm intrigued. Well, I've, you know, I was wondering how you know coherent I would even be because I, I haven't actually slept uh, much in the last 24 hours. I. <laughs> I stole about an hour nap before I came down here, but let's see. 24 hours ago, I was stuck in traffic driving out to New Jersey to see my ma, and like I went and visited with my mom, ate some ramen, and uh, and like she signed over the title to her car to me. My mom gave me her her old car, which oh, is wow. was pretty great. Yeah, actually. yeah man. I, and uh, then I drove back into the city, and then I got stuck in traffic again. And then I had an engagement with these 
women that I know who are customers at Dutch Kills that want to do this like video series and about like I don't know like making Valentine's Day like film about making the cocktails with aphrodisiacs in it. And I was like, okay. So we went out to dinner, and then straight from there, I had to go take care of some things in the ice shop. So I was just, like, running back and forth, and I went there, and I was handling a bunch of business, and I drank a couple cocktails at Dutch Kills. And I just got inspired to ask my buddy Abraham Hawkins, who was actually a Mm -hmm. guest on the show at one point, to go to the movies with me. So we went to Times Square at, like, 1230 and saw Nightcrawler, which is a pretty, (laughs) uh, pretty intense flick. And then, you know, I got home, and basically, my thing was, I needed to be up really up super early this morning. Um, and I uh, I started watching Miami Vice when I got home, just like episodes of Miami Vice. <laughs> uh, and then all of a sudden, it was like late, really late, and I was like, man, well, I can't go to sleep now, because I might sleep through. So I, I got on the train, and I went up to the Apollo Theater, and I sat... <laughs> in front of the box office from 7.30 this morning for two and a half hours and managed to land myself the front row center two tickets of the eight remaining tickets to the D'Angelo concert, which is coming up. Yeah. Dude. So I'm gassed up right now. I'm super fired up. (laughs) You know, uh, know, D'Angelo's been my favorite musician for, you know, since I was a squirt and... This is pretty exciting for me. <laughs> yeah, because his new album just came out recently, and you guys, it's on constant repeat at Attaboy. Yeah, it's it's like a t- the two a.m. record. At okay, yeah, that's <laughs> that's when I show up. That's Ricey's like thing, you know. Andrew Ricey's <laughs> like, yeah, two a.m. May two a.m. and then you know, lo and behold, every two a.m. you hear that the beginning of that record. <laughs> it's a great record. I'm I'm super excited about it. It's really fulfilling to me, and to see him play at the Apollo. Which is yeah. kind of where he like sort of got his like little start doing amateur night there in the early nineties. Um, I think it's going to be a really historic show. That's awesome. So man. I'm, yeah, I'm fired up. And now I have to go and try to squeeze in a little bit of sleep because I'm taking my hundred weight staff out for our like holiday dinner tonight nice. at M Wells. So I think I'm going to get stuffed up. Nice. Yeah. Say hi to Chef Jeff for me. What's that? Say hi to Chef Jeff for me. Yeah, I will, man. He prepared a pretty incredible menu for us, and it's, it's going to be good that stuff. That place rules, man. Yeah, big time. Just, like, pull a live trout out of the water. <laughs> Chop. Chop. Yeah. <laughs> this place is awesome. Yeah. Dude, I mean, like, yeah, it's funny because, like, uh, I feel like the only time I get to go to Attaboy, it's always, like, usually around 2 in the morning, that album's always played, and you guys are always doing You know, it kind of it made me think about that when, earlier when you were talking about ushering in the uh, the cocktail bar thing, and, like, the kind of, like, speakeasy thing with the vests and ties and curly mustaches and arm garters and whatnot. It's, like, it's funny to me because, like, in Attaboy, there's, there's definitely, like, a, kind of a uniform there, but it, <laughs> it consists of, like... Wife beaters and like Hawaiian shirts, yeah, <laughs> and like gold chains, as much exposed chest hair as possible. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's 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 pretty. It's always nice to see you and lots of our other great friends, and that's one of the great things I love about that bar is that you know the commitment to stay open till four a.m. seven yeah. days a week as a high end or whatever you want to call it cocktail bar because um, we catch all of the industry. At like it's like there's a wave like every hour. It's like those who get off at midnight come in at like twelve thirty. Yeah. Then it's like it just keeps going until three thirty. Yeah, people come in after work. And um, but you know, much like a, a great band who's like gets really warmed up, like two a.m. is I feel like the time that we're like really in the pocket. 
yeah. there. Like that bar <laughs> is just like lubricated and, and moving. I mean, for lack of better words, but <laughs> you know, the vibe is like, you know, really on, you know, on high. So it's, it's always a good time to see Damon walk through the door. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. It's funny. I like, I feel like there there are like two main places in the city that are like that. It's like extra fancy and attaboy. Oh yeah, it's like super industry hang. You know, yeah, extra fancy is a pretty classic joint for that. Yeah, and you just like end up seeing like the entire industry like in one night. Yeah, it's amazing, man. Yeah, it's, it's really. I don't know, like how you do that, how you cultivate that kind of vibe. It brings maybe it is like well, I know one factor is being open till four, so you can actually get the people who don't yeah. work till you know three or two yeah. in the morning. You know, and. uh and no, it's just like it's always a fun environment. The thing is, like, even back when it was milk and honey, and there was like four bars, uh, four bar seats. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't the same kind of vibe clearly, but it was very welcoming still. And it's like you took that and you know expanded the bar, and uh, and just kind of like opened it up more. You know, it used to be yeah. it used to be hard to get in there. You know, yeah. I mean, I know. And even as a even as a member of the of the family, so to speak, mm-hmm. you know, I've I've. Uh, through and through a Sasha bartender, you know, I came up under that tutelage and I've, most of my work has been in, you know, that umbrella. Uh, I never really went to milk and honey that much. Um, Attaboy, they really changed it into the bar for me. You know what I mean? When they reopened that way, milk and honey, um, I just always felt like, yo, I'm going to break something in here. Or like, I'm gonna, you know, I'm going to make a loud noise and everyone's going to go <gasps> and yeah. like look up, you know. So really the only times I ever went there was uh, like, you know, if I was happened to be like a block away and by myself, mm-hmm. I would stop in and have a quick one. Um, or if I was on a hot date, you know, that was like the secret weapon. Milk and he's like, oh, right here. Wait, right where? Like right here through this door. Like, wait, where are you taking me? And then that whole like, oh wow, yeah, type of thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, so that was a couple times, not very many times, you know. Don't yeah. give me that look, Damien. It was just, uh, a handful. <laughs> no, of times. I think I think we're I think we've all been there, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, you'd be weapon. dumb not to take a date there. Yeah, you know? exactly. It's like it's 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 a uh, it's made for that, um, but. Attaboy is a way more like social place. Like, yeah, go in there and meet people you don't know, and talk to the people sitting next to you. And, yeah, you know, let your hair down a little bit more. Um, totally. Yeah, and that's more my my personal vibe. That's just the way I am. I mean, when I go out to a bar, I I don't want to feel that's that's what you stuffy you want yeah. to like be able to expect when you go into a bar. You know? Yeah, yeah, because you're not you're not there to like. I mean, I don't go to bars to like sit there and be quiet and like feel nervous about like you said like breaking something <laughs> you know I, I go to you know get away from from work even though i love what i do for which is why i go to another bar right. yeah exactly <laughs> like you know what? i don't have to wash these dishes right <laughs> it's like yeah. so uh plus i think i think food and drink just tastes better when someone else makes them for you anyway absolutely man there's yeah. service is a huge part of it just yeah. being served something is great you know it's totally like, and it's yeah it has really changed the dynamic i think the same thing about dutch kills man because even Dutch Kills, like, I almost I almost killed some bros in there last time I was there. Really? <laughs> yeah, they were Wait, like, what happened? Hold on, hold on. Back, uh, it, up, back was, it up, back it up. Yeah, there were just, there was like four dude bros, and they kept bumping into me, and my, my date. You're bumping into my, my drink here, guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and like, someone said something kind of snarky to me, and I was just like, all right, we just got to get out of here. <laughs> yeah, oh, man, bummer. No, it's totally cool. I mean, because we- that was so isolated. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, it wasn't the last time I was there. It was like a few times back, and all it made me want to do was just go back there. Yeah, so I, I could run into those guys again. <laughs> it's, it, that's such a crazy bar, man. I love it. I mean, it's but, been my my lifeblood. You know, that's yeah. that's where I started in this business, and I've been working there since the day we swung the doors, yeah. May first of two thousand nine, and myself and 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 Hawkins Abraham uh, are the only two like surviving members from the original staff. Oh wow. And uh, so it's really my home bar, you know, and it's such a weird thing because I didn't really have any background in Queens, although now I live there and I run a business there and I know the borough a lot better now, uh, especially in the immediate surroundings of Dutch Kills. Um, but you get a really different clientele there, man, because, yeah, you know, it's like, you know, it's a lot of locals, you know, and we've it's it's been in such an incredible process sort of introducing this like sort of downtown Manhattan and Brooklyn type of yeah. like product or service to a place where it just it, there was no precedent and now There's you've got these stuff. guys who 3 years ago would only drink vodka red bull yeah. you know what i mean and they've never gone outside of Astoria in their life mm-hmm. and now they're in there calling for these crazy classic drinks by name and you know like it's great man yeah it's it's cool and it's been a lot of fun, and it, um, you know, had a lot of rewarding relationships with a lot of people there that I otherwise might not have, you know, been been exposed to. So, in many ways, I actually like really prefer it, you know, to yeah. to like uh, you know, Dutch Kills on a Friday night is a much cooler place, full of a lot more down to earth people mm-hmm. than you know any of your big heavy hitting downtown bars, mm-hmm. you know. Well, I think that it's, you know, it's it's. It just shows like where we're at now, you know, like it, where we're, where we've come to, you know, yeah. Like, with Bring these cocktails to the common man. Yeah, and it's it's great too. It's like you know, I I would much rather prefer that instead of like I remember like when we opened Prime Meats, we would get like neighborhood people who like didn't necessarily like have their their classic drink or know much about them, and uh, it was great because they were still open to the education. Yeah. So we either had that or like extreme cocktail nerds who were playing like stump the bartender right, every round, you right, know. Right. Right. And now it's like after a while, it's like, I and mean, it's not just because the places survived these years. It's like the clientele has changed, you know, and the expectations have changed. The expectations from the customer and for the customer, like, have changed because, like, for us, like we've we've gotten a chance to really like put the word out about these cocktails, yeah, and now put like, people onto it. Yeah. Around, yeah. So, like, for us, it's like, all right, well, we've done our job. Like, people know about these cocktails. Yeah. We, we don't have to deal with, like, you know, the, the vodka Red Bull order. I mean, you, you know? still do. Yeah, you but, do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, it's been a very, you know, that's one of the really nicest and, like, most humbling, like, experiences as in this in this trade, I think, is to, for you to really learn the art of, like, weaning someone off of their normal habits and introducing them into something new. It's a very delicate blend of humility and soothingness and like trickery to get people into like what they are about to get into that they didn't think they ever would get into. It's like one of the classic things is like, you know, the sort of macho guy who doesn't want to drink out of a stemmed coupe because he thinks it's effeminate, you know, and to, you know, it's it's a it's a really delicate balance because you can't you you can't condescend somebody and be like, well, and if you if they don't know about it and they're not like hip to the cool shit that you're hip to, 
and you, and you scoff at them about that, then like you lost a customer and you played yourself because yeah. like, what are we, man? We're fucking bartenders. We're the scum of the earth. Yeah. You know what I mean? So how can we be <laughs> scoffing at anybody else? So it's always been a really fun process to sort of like that dance to like try to, Let's, you know, yeah. get somebody to do something that they wouldn't normally do. And I, I liken it know. to like, like listening to music and turning someone onto new music. Right. You're not telling them that their music sucks, even though they're listening to the same song on repeat. Right. You're just trying to expand their their musical collection. You know, it's like the same thing with cocktails. It's like that's cool, man. If you like this, you should definitely check this drink out. You know, yeah. I think that's that's the way to do it. You know, and I think I think in the very beginning when the cocktail renaissance came around, it was like there weren't there wasn't that nicety. You know that that we expect to have nowadays. You know, it, it was more like you have to drink in aviation. You can't. Right. Your drink sucks. You're drinking this. Yeah. You know, like get them in the front door first, and like let them experience like what they want to experience. Get them into the. Most times, people walk into a place, they just want to have their they their comfort blanket. You know, they yeah. they want to have the thing that they know that they're constant, and then once they're comfortable in the new environment, then they can try something. You know, like I I typically like go for the weird shit, but <laughs> like it's stuff that I've never seen before. But you know, there's only. A few of us, you know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> but uh, I think it's great, man. Like the you, you actually, uh, you've helped me a lot out a lot in the past with uh, not only ice and drinks at your bar, but getting reservations for places at, like in Wells Steakhouse. Oh yeah, so, I sent you over there that one time. Yeah, yeah. with a boomerang. <laughs> with a boomerang, yeah. <laughs> so I appreciate that. You've always been the greatest, man. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Hey, of course. And uh, please come back anytime you'd like. No doubt, man. We'll do it again. Yeah, and have a happy holiday party with your staff tonight. Oh man, it's gonna be a fucking pig out. Oof. <laughs> I'm psyched. Nice. Well, check out hundred weight. Check out Dutch Kills, of course, if you haven't been. And, uh, of course, Attaboy. Uh, Zach is always working. So we, I, the chances you run into him <laughs> are very, yeah, very good. Yeah. All right. That's it for the speakeasy this week. Thanks again, Zach. All and right. We'll take talk care. next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. 